It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. This week I'm joined by Sai. How's it going, Sai? Not too bad, brother. Not too bad. Good. Good to see you. It's been a while. Well, in terms of courtside, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Kay, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. How's that championship glow treating you? Ah, it's fantastic. You don't see me shining today? Listen, listen, I see you. Look at this. I, I see you, brother. Uh, I, ha- I happen to happen across... Uh, LeBron's Instagram feed, and he's, he's going for dinner, taking the Larry O'Brien trophy with him. And oh, it seems that like he has a, a brand of a certain tequila, a, a, a certain brand of cigar, and the Larry O'Brien trophy following wherever wherever he goes. I'm um, sorry, that guy, man. I'm just happy that we won. Like, <laughs> I'm just happy we won. Like, he could do what he wants. He's on his, he's on his media campaign right now, so we'll leave him yeah. to the season we'll starts. Leave it to, to you. Yeah, okay, man. so uh, that's a perfect segue. Um, this week is going to be a season... Uh, off-season autopsy of the Los Angeles Clippers, our second episode in the off-season uh, series. Last week's episode being the Golden State Warriors. We had Ira on, along with Nii, um, Obi and Harold. Good episode, a uh, lot of laughs, a uh, lot of good insight on there. So as you listen to this, if you haven't listened to that one, just once you finish digesting this, just click the episode below, give it a listen, subscribe on the old YouTube, follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, and as you mentioned, next season, uh, Kay, I think... Uh, it's perfect place for us to start. Um, so Shams, Shams and Woes, the two guys who seem to be the the kingmakers in terms of NBA news, uh, dropped a, a, a Shams bomb this week. Um, we've been kind of, of naturally talking about how long the NBA offseason is going to be and what we're yeah. going to do in between the time. And we were kind of looking around uh, maybe late January, February. But um, the news that's coming through the grapevine is that uh, they're looking to start things this side of the new year. Uh, as early as December the 22nd. Uh, initial reports are that it's a 72-game season that it looks like they're going to be coming in with. Um, what are your what are your initial thoughts? I'll get into the nitty-gritty of why they've, they seem to be making these decisions, but what are your initial thoughts when you heard randomly, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday, that the news dropped, that uh, the NBA was looking to start on the 22nd I mean, of December? I ain't surprised because I'm sure people have been seeing that apparently ratings have been at an all-time low, of course. And I mean... 
there was some good momentum coming from the bubble. Teams were playing well. I mean, it was a very good, I think it was quite a competitive playoffs overall because obviously no crowds, no travel meant people were normally at their finest at every game. But coming to December, like if it starts on the 22nd on Christmas Day, they just want to capitalise as much as possible because I know teams are already in pre-season or they're already working now. So they're thinking, cool, how do we start with a splash? Everyone's going to be at home. Let's get it in during the Christmas period and start right away. And obviously, shortened season as well will probably get people a lot more interested rather than you get 50, 40, 50, 60 games in normally and teams are pulling out because, you know, they're resting or, you know, load management. So hopefully... <laughs> we get something good this year. But it doesn't surprise me that they'll start around Christmas because I think they kind of want to keep the momentum going as much as possible because they already missed so much revenue. And America does things differently to here because people are already in America football stadiums and I'm sure they'll have people in the games for the NBA when it comes back by Christmas. Cool. Um, that's interesting because it seems like there's 500 million reasons why they would be starting the season um, this side of the new year. Uh, estimations are that it would be yeah, $500 million worth of increased revenue. Uh, by, like you say, having that Christmas Day um, slot. Uh, and essentially, they, they want to start on the 22nd of December and be finished by May, June. And essentially, what they do is they beat the cutoff that comes in the summer when people are going on holiday, they're going outside, they're not staying inside as much. Uh, actually, in terms of the stadiums they're, they're, and the, the arenas, they're thinking the other way. Um, they probably won't get people back in. Uh, the initial murmurings from the owners were like, we don't actually want to start until we can get fans in because we want our revenue. These stadiums are just there costing us money. And yeah. We want our revenues. We want our concerts. We want our games. But with the way things are with COVID, obviously we've seen how things are over here, but it's just as bad, if not worse over there. So they've kind of accepted that. And the idea is a shorter season. And of course, the 72 games also sits well with the um, national um licensing agreements essentially most of them are like a minimum of 65 games like between 65 and 70 so uh, I think a lot of NBA fans aren't fans of the 82 game season anyway so like you say um, like you say Kay after about 55 60 games it's pretty much where it is and you've got teams just mailing in the last 20 20 or so games and basically trying to get themselves the best chance of picking up a, a good player in a draft um, what are your thoughts Si obviously as a, net, a Nets fan you haven't seen KD yet uh, Kyrie didn't come to the bubble. Uh, we're going to get into your coaching situation after this, but um, what what are your thoughts about this uh, early uh, start for the 2021 NBA season? It's a bit of a weird one for me. Um, the NBA usually has like quite a big gap between end date and start date. So this quick turnaround, especially after the, the sort of playoff intensity and the bubble intensity, seems a bit risky in terms of injuries and fatigue and things of that nature. But at the same time, I'll be, I'll be glad to get hoops back as soon as possible, to be fair. Um, I don't know if it will have too much of an impact on some of the long-term injury players uh, coming back. I think a lot of the guys were already ready um, around bubble time. They just took precaution and said, we might as well just dedicate our, our fitness to the next season. Um, so it's interesting, it's, it's exciting, it's definitely money-oriented. Um, but yeah, to get NBA back by the end of the year, I'm not complaining. Yeah, of course, this is pending the NBA Players Association um, agreeing. But like I said, we've got uh, $500 million or $250 million 
dollars reasons why 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 they would why they would do so so yeah i'm just like you guys um the report basically says that in terms of like the schedules of things things won't move up i believe the draft is on the 18th of november and, and that wouldn't move up uh, my understanding also is that most of the teams have been scouting they took those three months off we had they've been scouting they know who they like they know who they don't like so the extra time for the draft um like if they were to do the draft tomorrow, they'd be good to go, basically. So they don't need any extra time. But what it does mean is that free agency is more condensed. And you guys know that free agency, after probably the playoffs, free agency is the best time. Of the, it's, it's craziness. Uh, we've, we've seen all sorts over over the last uh, five years or so. Uh, DeAndre Jordan getting trapped at home to not sign a contract with the Mavericks comes to mind. Um, I'm not expecting so much this season just because of uh, the hit in terms of revenue and just the quality of the free agency class this year but um yeah yeah i'm happy to have the nba come back earlier earlier than uh, we initially anticipated an interesting tidbit as well is that the raptors would um have to find a home here well i say here we're in the uk they'd have to find a home in america because um like the to- toronto blue jays of the ml uh, B, that's the baseball and a couple of uh, major league soccer teams that are based in canada they had to find a home in america because like uh, teams will be playing in their stadium um, arenas but they will be empty we're not flying to Toronto we're not we're not flying from LA to Toronto or from Denver to Toronto so that would be an interesting tidbit hopefully Siakam's shot uh, is somewhere to be found in America um, um, so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll keep you guys peeled on that and as the information develops we'll, we'll use the Twitter account to, to keep you guys posted and give you guys our thoughts um, and obviously you said you, you're happy to have hoops back early, especially your net. So I'll just nicely segue into uh, an int- another interesting bit of news. You weren't that excited, to be honest. We, I think, personally speaking, a lot of us have found the net's quite hilarious so far. Not like a ha-ha, you're not serious thing, but just a lot of the things coming out, like Nash being the coach and then uh, Kyrie. Like obviously, he's got a great relationship with KD, but he's never coached before. And then Kyrie on... Um, Katie's podcast obviously as you know side they'll always take sound bites which don't necessarily exactly. fully give the um the the honest um reflection of what was discussed but interesting nonetheless some of the tidbits but yeah it sounds like a a certain Amari Stadamaya last of Maccabee Tel Aviv uh in the Israelian league is going to be joining the coaching team of Steve Nash Carrie <laughs> Irvin and Kevin Durant so um what 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 are your thoughts on that I was confused like uh, the the Nash the Nash appointment made made a fair bit of sense to me. Um, obviously, with Kyrie's words and KD's sentiment sort of being blown up, um, I did feel like it was slightly taken out of context. But this Amari shit, oh man, it's it's literally like bringing your drunk uncle to the to the cookout. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. Uh, <laughs> like, like these these men must have had some some fun on the road, or they must have some stories that maybe translate well to 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 this younger generation. Because outside of that, I have no idea what what the point of it is. Um, you come back for the wine bars. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a it's a strange one for me because I think appointing a head coach that doesn't have experience is is not something out of the ordinary in the NBA especially if you're talking a, an all-star caliber player who plays a position where their, their leadership is always exhibited. That side of it made sense. But to then bring an assistant coach with no experience who hasn't been in the NBA for however many years, whose basketball career 
sort of petered off of a off of a cliff and who realistically doesn't doesn't have a reputation of being that guy or that type of leader so yeah it's it's weird and confusing and yeah now 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 I'm a little bit worried but we move yeah, literally, you, you made some interesting points there in terms of um, these ex-professionals coming in and getting um, coaching gigs right out of the gate. And uh, just across sports, we don't usually like to, or we tend to do it the other way in terms of using football uh, as an analogy for basketball or the, the um, similarities. But it's not too dissimilar from how we see these old legends getting coaching jobs right out of the gate, like your Solskjaer, like jobs that they're clearly not qualified for. It's almost like, because you're a top player, you played at the highest level, will give you that grace to to grit to, to to lead a locker room and it's kind of like that head coach is a, a position and it always comes down to I feel like the team should always be bolstered by the skill set of the head coach themselves. So if it's a head coach who's a people's person and that's really what they're bringing that culture, you surround him by tacticians. If it's a head coach who's a tactician, great with the X and O's, not necessarily good with the people, you surround them with a team which makes sure that they're able to maintain that culture. So like you say, Steve Nash, obviously, two-time MVP, uh, one of the best point guards we've seen in, in the in the league, uh, him getting the coach and has a great relationship with KD, which means he then, as a as, uh, kind of connection, has a good relationship with Kyrie. Makes sense. Amari, not more, not so much, but we'll see. They'll, they'll probably be adding a few more pieces to that to that coaching team. So so we'll see who else comes through. But listen, the Nets look like they're ready. Kyrie wants to win. KD's got a chip on his shoulder. Um, but let, let's not talk too much about the Nets because you're going to have your off-season uh, autopsy. Uh, and we'll get we'll get into the nitty-gritty on, on that episode. Um, you so... my shiny, shiny black and white cape for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> probably won't be the last next season. Um, so... Let's let's get into it. Our Los Angeles Clippers. We'll start uh, with talking about the nineteen twenty season, and then and we'll go on to talk about the twenty twenty one season. So, uh, the nineteen twenty season, they finished with a regular season record of forty nine wins and twenty three losses. Uh, as you both know, they were knocked out in the uh, second round of the playoffs by the Denver Nuggets. Um, oh, and they and they sacked their coach Doc Rivers. So um, a lot a lot has gone on. Uh, let's start with the start of the nineteen twenty season. So they seem to win the free agency uh, battle with with their Lakers, their esteemed rivals, by bringing in um, the current at the time Finals MVP and champion Kawhi Leonard, along with um, top three MVP player Paul George. Um, and they were yeah, <laughs> and they were pretty much the preseason favorites to, to to win it all. Um, let's start there. So going into that, the start of the 1920 season, um, how did you guys see the Clippers? I'll start with UK. What, what were your thoughts of the Clippers after they acquired Kawhi and Paul George? Like most people, I thought it was, like I said, champions elect. Like on paper, everything almost looked too perfect. Like they got Kawhi, you got Paul George coming off an MVP caliber season. You got Lou, you got Harold, you got Beverly, you got Harkless, you got all sorts of these people all lined up, and obviously an elite coach in Doc Rivers. So, bar disaster, you're probably thinking they're going to moonwalk to this because obviously you got LeBron and AD on the other side. We're thinking that's just LeBron and AD, but on paper, the Clippers are everything and more. Probably in the last few seasons, bar when we obviously all expected Cavs and Warriors finals, people were expecting at the end of the year it's going to be the Clippers in the finals once they obviously walk all over the Lakers in the West Conference finals, whatever's going to happen. 
But yeah, I mean, throughout the year, they had their issues, um, which were all like very well documented. Like the first thing was they didn't practice very often, which, which is actually quite well known for Doc Rivers teams. He doesn't really enjoy towards it. I think towards the end of like the Blake era there, he was like, yeah, we're not really about practice as much. It's more or less walkthroughs, look after the players, blah, blah, blah. And then you've got Harrell just talking crazy. I mean, he's the sixth man of the year, but he was talking like he was running around like he's puck. Like, do you, mean, know, do, you know, do you know what I think was probably the worst thing to happen to that Clippers um, team? The 18-19 season, them getting those two games off Golden State led to the guys in that locker room's heads being inflated. Talking crazy. And I mean, they got rid of all their youth. Golden State, so, you know, you guys are coming into a, a serious team. Like, yeah, they, they gave up the house for PG. Like, fair play at the time. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. But at the time, they thought, okay, Shy will be something. But, you know, decent rookie season. Let him go to OKC, whatever happens. But we've got Paul George here and now, fresh off 28 points a game, top three in MVP and defensive player of the year voting. And we've got, obviously, the reigning finals MVP. And they've come home to... I want to say, I think, the, the, I want, not for the word alpha, but more terms of they work well together. There's no big dominant person that's going to be like, listen, this is my team. We're just here to work. Them kind of people, because they're both traditionally quiet. Paul George likes fishing, allegedly. And Kawhi, you know, we all know what he's like. So, yeah, I think it was a weird one because there's just so many things. Like you said, that Clippers, um, Clippers Warrior series probably through the, the balance a bit for whack because they're thinking we made it without you two being here and now you two have come in got all this special treatment harold's coming out midway saying yeah we don't really get along but we're good so we're going to win anyway so yeah i'm not really sure where it all really went to crap and obviously we, we mentioned a few pods ago about zubat the zubat and harold issue um and um, the people in analytics and i'm not all for analytics because you know the eye test prevails over everything but people in analytics and the people watching were saying, Doc, yo, if it's uh, Zubach, he's the guy. He can play for us. He's the one. Like, he needs to be playing better on defense. The offense is more balanced. But then, for some reason, Doc's had his guy and he's like, no, listen, Harold's missed some of the bubble. He's come back, but he's still the guy to play. And when it came down to it, they really struggled. So, I think, I, I just want to blame coaching more than anything. Rather than the players, like as oh, bad as sentiment, exactly, mate. You said elite coach Doc Rivers, so I was like, in, in, in but, my head, in, in air quotes, and I was thinking exactly that. Because I think it's really down to him how they really struggle. Because there's really no reason why a team like this, as talented as it should be, don't walk through basketball. And the thing is, with sorry, before I run on with basketball as well, because there's five men on the court one or two players can influence everything. It's not like other sports where it's a very large team game. So if you get the best out of these two as much as possible, or one person here and there, then it's going to be massive. As we've seen in numerous series, if one person's missing or one person's added, the series is turned on its head. We saw with Miami against the Lakers with Goran and Bam missing. We saw here with the Clippers in the elimination game. They, um, Kawhi and Paul went for a cool 24, the Kobe combined but they didn't get nowhere so yeah I want to blame the coaches more than anything in that case because they really 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 should be probably where I'm sitting right now with my yellow jersey on enjoying life okay interesting I, I wanted us to go through the different parts of the season but you've just kind of given us a monologue which is your overview of the 1920 season so we, we can break it down from there so um yeah, you, you spoke about the start of the season in terms of Kawhi and Paul George coming in, big reputations, big players coming into a team that finished eighth 
the season before. Um, you add two top five, top ten players to a team that finish eighth, and yeah, naturally you're going to be looked at as favourites. But I, what I'll ask you, Sai, is that um, how often have we seen these um, super teams come together and they actually get it all done in season one? Never, really. Um, unless we're talking, did the Celtics get done in the first year? Um, I believe so. Yeah, two thousand and eight. Been the only one, and yeah. and and I think I think that that is the gift and the curse of Doc Rivers. I think because he was able to do that, everyone just assumed that he'd be able to replicate replicate the same thing with the, that Clippers team um, when they got CP three, DeAndre, and Blake together. I think everyone expected them to be contenders, and they they were a perennial disappointment. So. For me, his stock has been dwindling since then. Um, and this this sort of last couple of years, um, his ability to basically get the Clippers team of last year and the year before to perform at a high level. Uh, they went from 42 win, wins, I believe, to 48 wins um, within two seasons. Managed to get the eighth seed, put on a good show in the playoffs. Um, one of the more entertaining teams as well, oddly enough, even though they were predicated on defense. I think that that to me is his career highlight over the last maybe decade. Yeah, just about to say that's probably to, to the eighth seed. And I mean, I was a big advocate of them before before this season. As uh, to so them, adding PG and Kawhi, who for me are, are two of the best two way players in the game. That, that's what convinced me that they were going to be uh, top dogs, not not just the talent on their own, uh, but the fact that that team had a real identity and a real sort of flow about their basketball. But yeah, it's just not translated. Let's, at let, all. Let, let's get into that. Let's get into that. You talk about identity. Um, I think Kawhi is, is a unique superstar in the way he carries himself and um, being a superstar, he's afforded certain certain benefits of the status he 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 has a resume that allows for these benefits um the the message throughout the season was that this clippers team does not like each other k um rightly highlighted the fact that they didn't practice very much um Kawhi gets the loan manage let's let's call it what it is he gets the loan manage uh, which means he gets to tell the coach t- coaching team when he's going to take a game off because he doesn't want to overexert himself in a, in a long grueling season and I'll be ready for the playoffs and basically look at me when I'm ready for the playoffs I'm taking I'm taking this team on my back so I think you you mix that in those benefits he he gets mix that into the season they had before where they've had a tough season with the uh, a tough series with the warriors which is probably had guys like Montrez Harold, who's kind of come 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 out of the mud, really. He's yeah. come with no reputation. He's built himself up into in the league, um, and they brought these two new flashy guys in. They've sacrificed their future for it. This guy's not having to come to every single game. They're barely practicing, so they're barely really getting to know each other um, on a practice court either. I think you you mix all those things together, and that's a recipe for disaster, really. That's a, something has to give at, at, at some point. Yeah, unless you I'm, have a coach that has a backbone. Exactly. And I think if you do a comparison between the championship team of Boston and this one, there's a stark, stark difference in the personalities. Because I was even watching that play playbook playoff playbook series and Doc Rivers was the first episode yeah. enough. And that thing of the 08, of 08 Boston was Ubuntu. I think that means family or something. And they did everything for each other. And you have three of the biggest personalities on the team. You've got KG, who we all know, loud, one of the loudest ever. 
you've got Paul Pierce, the truth. Like, he was the leader of that team. He was waiting for someone to come. And Ray Allen is coming off being the man in his team anyway. And obviously, he's quite vocal towards the end of his career. Well, I would, I would, I would swap out uh, Ray Allen for... Rondo, Rondo. Exactly. So, you've got Rondo, who is well-known, um, I'm a French, as known as an arsehole. Like, his teammates have called him that, but he's a brilliant mind. So, these are three leaders on the team. And obviously, you've got Ray complimenting them. And for them... They do everything and anything for the team. So it's not a case of Paul, Paul Pierce or KG will be like, listen, guys, I'm fresh into the team. I'm going to take some days off because, you know, loads of money, I've got to look after my body. So, like there was a case that they interviewed KG and he said, yo, how did your defence obviously change the way the team played? He's like, no, it wasn't me. It was us. Like my team took me in this position, so I helped them do this. Whereas with the Clippers, I don't see that anymore because you get cases of where I, they don't practice firstly. You've got Kawhi allegedly who lives in San Diego, nowhere near. No, when they train um, um, the their home court, whatever that is, um, their training court. So you've got that firstly, and then you've got Paul George, who's come off being arguably, even though he played like it, he was number two, he played at number one at OKC, and he's not really like been the leader anywhere. So this team has already done so well without them, or I say so well, overachieved in a sense. They lost in the first round, but they shouldn't have been there anyway. Yeah. So they played a certain type of basketball to get there. A fantastic year all year round, four year wins, thirty four L's. And then they've now introduced these two stars. And these two stars don't align with the mentality that was originally there in the first place. So automatically is recipe for disaster. All talent aside, because people, once they get these two players, there's they can either go two ways. So it could either go, okay, cool, we got these two, knuckle down, let's get to the top. Or we can go, cool, we got these two. Oh, it's gonna be a cakewalk now. And then they won't really kind of stick to the things that kind of make teams great in a certain way. Like when I think, think the one, well. one area I will I will uh, disagree with is I, I think PG and Kawhi do complement what that group had in terms of a stylistic fit. Stylistically, you yeah. You won't find you won't Practice. find two guys who complement pretty much every team from top to bottom in, in the NBA as much as PG and Kawhi. You can plug and play those those two pretty much anywhere. It's just you need that. You need that missing piece. You need either a point guard who can dictate. Oh, which both of these guys have had. I mean, let's 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 be real. As much as I laugh at Carl Lowry, Carl Lowry's proven that he is he is that type of gel piece uh, at the one position. And then, as much as I'm a detractor of Westbrook, Westbrook did facilitate PG to be great, and we've. We've seen that both of these guys need that in order to be successful. But the they problem with the Clippers is not only do they not have that on the court, in Pat Bev is, for me, a fantastic piece to have on a team for the energy, for the for the aggression, for all of those sort of intangible things. Well, 12 and a half milli he got last year. Yeah, that's a lot of money, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm, you're not there to run around and make noise. Make, <laughs> you wash his hair a couple too many times. That must have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can't make something happen for 12 and a half. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like you either need that or you need a coach that's able to do that. And they had neither because at, at the end of the day, Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers is just not that guy. He's not that guy anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. And you guys mentioned the parallels between um, this Clippers team and, and the Boston Celtics. So you having the same the same coach, firstly. Um, interesting. I would say when they first came together, the big three would have been Paul, Ray and KG. But yeah. you have to remember as well, those guys were 
longer in the tooth. These guys were, they'd played, they'd all been in the league for at least like a decade. And it's kind of a decade of being the main guy and not actually even, did any of them get to a finals? I don't think so. None of them had gotten to a finals by 2008. Ray was dunking on people then. Yeah, I think that, 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 (laughs) exactly. I think that makes it a lot easier to buy in almost like, okay, we've seen that alone, we can't do it. But as a sum of our as a sum of our parts, they had a young Rondo who was kind of inconsistent, but you could see the flashes of you could see the flashes of greatness there. Um, Sam Cassell as well, uh, league vet, respect, uh, respected PG. So they had that kind of culture. But when you look around the Clippers locker room, you're looking at guys like Pat Bev. Like talk, he talks a good talk in it, but for yeah. me, yeah. empty cal- empty calorie sort of player. Honestly, uh, Lou Williams. Uh, couple sixth man of the year awards. Uh, we know what he is. He's a bucket in the regular season. That is Zubak, who's a great pickup from the Lakers. Harold, I like him. He, he's en- energy guys. You need he, these he guys. Points a game. That ain't, that ain't no slouch. Yeah, en- energy guys. You 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 need these guys who are gonna come in. They're gonna play hard on both ends. Sometimes they're running around, not actually doing much, but <laughs> they're playing hard. They're getting rebounds. They're scoring buckets. They got Jamichael Green. They got they they had a good roster. And they're they, they, still the best in the NBA. I'm not yeah, 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 yeah. hearing anything else because yeah. all of those pieces do complement each other and we'll, we'll, we'll see how they manage that with a coach that maybe gets guys to buy in a bit more or pulls a few guys aside and has a, a bit more of a stern word with them. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get into we'll get into Ty Lue. So obviously you both have highlighted Doc Rivers and his shortcomings. So it was I think we were still a bit surprised when he was sacked because um I, I oh maybe not you got maybe you guys weren't. I, I, I was a bit surprised just because and maybe this was my kind of ignorance. Um the, the image we see of Steve Ballmer is that kind of that like tech nerds got loads of money. Uh, I want to be one of the cool guys, so I'm gonna buy a basketball team. And I'm like on the sides going really crazy like a fan, but the guy's worth double figures of billions for a reason. You, you don't get that rich without being ruthless, essentially. And and he has big, big um, dreams. Like to be fair to him as well. Like yeah. He's put them in the position to succeed as well. He has yeah. to sign up on this deal as well. And he stuck it. But he bought them when? 2015? Was yeah, it? he bought them after the, um, the, Sterling, the Sterling scandal. Uh, I think that's been like four or five years ago. So since then, they've lost in the first round twice. Three times, sorry. Missed the playoffs once and now lost in the conference semi-finals. Like you got to get a bang for your buck somewhere. And after Agreed. he just he spent a lot of he spent a lot of money. They had yeah. 133 million on on the payroll last season. Um, and he he's built a new training complex. He wants to build his own stadium for them. He doesn't want to share one with the Lakers anymore. Still paying but, rent, baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is somebody who has invested heavily and he wants to, like you say, bang for your buck, Kay. So I guess it, when you put all those things together, him getting rid of Doc Rivers isn't that surprising. And um, before we go on to um, what the moves they've made and, and what we'll be looking to get out of them in the 2021 season, um, in terms of their on-court play, you kind of touched on it slightly, Sai, but as our X's and O's guys, I'd like you to go into a bit more detail for our listeners who, who that side of the game may be a bit more of a mystery. But what, what is it that you, you saw on the court that, that meant they struggled and, and meant they had... Because, listen, Dallas, even without pausing us, did have them on the ropes a few times and Kawhi did have to go into his kind of superstar bag to take them over the line. Um, and it just seemed like the, the combined efforts of Murray, Jokic and the, and the guys around them on the Nuggets were just too much for, for Kawhi to do that. And listen, Paul George had his detractors the whole time he was in the bubble. So what is it that you saw on the court that, that meant that the, the Clippers season kind of went the way it was in comparison, in conjunction with what happened off the court, should I say? 
So I just feel like they slowed down way too much. Um, I think that's that's one of the that's one of the sort of negative side effects of having a superstar who can just get to their spots whenever they want. We've seen it with the Rockets. Uh, we see it at times with even even when the Warriors had uh, KD. You stop seeing guys move off the ball. You stop seeing guys try to get involved in the offense, and ultimately you see less transition buckets buckets as well so all of those things put together you saw like quite a plodding offense from them yeah. even when even when uh Kawhi ended up out of the game they they tried to replicate uh through either uh Lou Will or pretty much only Lou Will and that time <laughs> where you basically just see them trying to beat you with one man and that's not what they were doing before they were playing team defense they were extraordinary in one-on-one -on -one situations as well on the defensive end, which just meant that they always kept kept themselves in a game to be able to either get an easy transition bucket or to build a bit of uh, momentum over the course of a game. So when games did get close, you can you can utilize guys like a Lou Will a lot better. Um, and that that's that's the disappointing thing for me is Kawhi, for all intents and purposes, showed that he is that guy. He's able to drag you across the line as much as he, as much as he possibly can. But when your offense becomes uh, predictable and where your defense isn't clicking, you end up in close games every every night. And when you get into situations like that, that's where team chemistry and team morale becomes your X factor, which we saw in the Nuggets, we saw in the Mavs, and ultimately we saw in the Lakers too. So and the Heat, yeah, and the Heat. Yeah, and, the, so, and, and those yeah, were all areas in which they lacked. Um, I think that playoff run with uh, the Raptors for Kawhi was, was pretty historic. Um, do you think that at times, because of his kind of reputation in the league, that the other players rested on their laurels a bit too much? Oh, so it was almost like, we'll, we'll leave it to Kawhi. But it's like, you guys are like, you yeah. without him and PG, you're already an eighth seed team. Like like um, Kay said, they overachieved. But, but you were an eighth seed team. And it's almost like your superstar's there to take you over the edge in tough games. And also when you're having those times in the game when your offense is stagnant and you just need a bucket to stay in it, that's when you give the you put the ball in the Kawhi's hands and you clear out and let him um, create something off the dribble. But this was literally you, how you were trying to play. Yeah, exactly. This was literally trying. So do, do, so how does that how does that work for next season? Let, let's Let's let, in fact, let's talk about Kawhi and let's talk about going into next season. So obviously, they brought in Ty Lue now. He was part of the coaching team. He, he's a manager, a uh, coach, I say manager. He's a coach who comes with championship pedigree uh, through the way of, of Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> we'll, talk way about that. We'll, talk, we'll talk about that, Kay. Um, he comes with championship pedigree through, through the way of Cleveland. But I think, um, because we, we discussed it in our group chat and um, during the Dallas series, the conversation about Kawhi being the best player in the league was had. Um, do you think he still is? No. Or do you think he's ever been the best player in the league? And what sort of issues do you yes. think his presence has? Because we talked about defence as well. I mean, um, at his time at the Spurs, he was he was the best defender in the league, I think you could say. And he, he was looking like one of the best defenders ever. Um, is he still at that level? If he's no. not at that level, what's what's what impact does that have on the Clippers? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in terms of Kawhi. Um, no. I'll let you start, Kay, and then and we'll go over to Sai. If we're being very honest, yeah, let's just be all very honest amongst us three. Yeah, offense pays your bills. That's how you get paid. Buckets pay your bills. So obviously, Kawhi is a sensational defensive player, as is PG. But well and truly, they did not 
buy or bring him in for his defense and to get the best out of Kawhi whilst load managing is not like hey dude we need to guard best player for 35 minutes while also giving us 28 a game nobody does that that's never happened and that hasn't happened for years and years and years so with Kawhi now you're going to get spells where they need him to guard the best player at the end of the game and he'll be fantastic at that but as a whole he that won't be his first portal call because as the leader of the team he's the one that you want or offensively to get those buckets that carry the load offensively and we've seen it throughout the league there is nobody anymore anyway that puts 100% effort 100% of the time you're down to coaching all themselves on both ends of the floor even though they might be two-way players you can always pick your spots and times because it's just not going to happen and in terms of him being the best like no I'm sorry I, I, I just don't see it like I understand why it came from him being called the best at Toronto, but people always seem to forget that's a sensationally coached team that they got very far without him this year. And what the Clippers expected from him, he didn't technically even have to do at Toronto anyway, because they didn't just sit back and say, oh, hey, oof, Kawhi's going to save us. They had Cal playing very well. They had Siakam playing very well. They had Serge. They had Fred Van Vliet. These are all very decent role players who all filled their role. And at one point throughout the year, all stepped up as well being very well coached defensively by Nick Nurse, of course. So with Kawhi, next year, I, t- I think the best thing, they just need to find, or what, just put him in his spots because there's one thing like players picking their spots, of course, which is fantastic. And you get players, you can just find them whenever, like your offensive talents. But I think now what he really needs, even at the grand old age of 29 in the prime of his career, is someone to, <laughs> put, <laughs> is someone to put him in those spots per se. Not you go and find it yourself. You're going to be here as a result of the system. And then you can go to work. Because if you give someone the ball at 24 seconds, like go to work. That's a lot of hard work. Every offense, every line, every time down the floor. And then you want them to be playing 10 out of 10 defense. Whereas if you're put in the position by your teammates or your coach, let's say 18 seconds left on the shot clock or 16 seconds, something's happened beforehand already for you to get something done. So I think with Kawhi, like he just got to pray that what we saw from LeBron and the Cavs was actually Ty Lue and not just LeBron saying, I'm going to do this by myself and this is how we're going to play. So I think they'll be fine this year. I say fine. Like you will definitely see more from Kawhi this year because as you said, super teams don't win it in their first year. But I think like more balance is needed because he's, even though he is a superstar and one of maybe the top two, three best players in the league, he's not the one to give the ball from the start of the shot clock to the end and ask him to make something happen with his robot dribble because it's just not going to happen. And you won't get the best out of Kawhi that way. Me personally is what I think. Interesting. So, so Sai, still staying on the topic of Kawhi. Uh, yeah. I see you shaking your head. Um, yeah, go on, <laughs> sir. Tell us the thoughts. KD and Kawhi Leonard are 1A, 1B for me uh, in, in this league. Over, over the last few years, like they've, they've shown that they're two of the most well-rounded players that we've seen in the NBA. And that, that, that for me is just fact. Like the fact of the matter is, is Kawhi has shown in clutch moments and just over the course of his career that he can fit in more systems than pretty much any other player. Even, <sighs> even, even, even in this clip. Let him cook, let him cook. I've been tempted to jump in at a couple of times, but let him cook. Go on, Sai. Even, even in this Clippers situation where it hasn't all clicked, he's still shown that he's effective. Like on both ends of the floor, like he guarded Doncic in those clutch moments and locked him down. Switched off yeah. and put it dropped on his head. He left him on an island when Doncic hit that buzzer beater. If we do recall that, 
He didn't fight through <laughs> that screen, did he? He didn't fight through that screen. He's the screen came and he left Reggie Jackson to get his hairline pushed all the way back. So <laughs> for me, for me, that's more of a flaw in the way that they scheme. Because ultimately you want you want Kawhi in those situations to play one-on-one. You want him to be the primary defender in that situation. But again, that comes down to coaching and it comes down to whoever else is on the floor needs to be able to make that direction for Kawhi or whoever else exactly. you want on top. But you accept he's not going to play that kind of defense like 99% of the time because he's not going to give you 27 a game and padlock the next person or the other team from giving... Precisely, but that, that was the case at Toronto as well. That was even the case at at the latter stages yeah. of, of his time at uh, San Antonio. Like, the fact of the matter is, though, is when Kawhi is on the strong side, you see teams go towards the weak side and vice versa. Like, wherever he is, guys avoid that end of the court. And... At the end of the day, that that's that, that's a hallmark of one of the best defensive wings we've ever seen in the game. Of course. Um, as as far as his offense, again, he gets to his spots whenever he wants. It's just over the course of over the course of a game, it becomes easier and easier to defend. You can yeah. get to your spots, but if that if that shot is contested by three men, seven footers, all of that sort of stuff, then obviously those shots aren't going to drop as consistently. So. For me, it's more so a flaw in the way that they they constructed the rest of the team and the idea um, that they they approached every time they got down the floor is to just put the ball in Kawhi's hands and make him play make and make him hit mid ranges or hit pull up threes or basically just do everything for us. It, it was flawed from a coaching perspective more so than the caliber of player that he is. So I think if they get that right, I think people will have to eat their hat and just admit that the guy is. If, if, if not 1A, 1B, number two or three in the league. C or D, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, really, I really do like Kawhi, but like we're talking all around like four and a half, like four, I think it was five assists this year. It was like a, almost a career high. Like that's a struggle for him. Like you said, he's not the one to play make. Like he'll get to his spots. But when it gets to like the third quarter, people can be like, hold on. They're just giving him the ball he's on the wing. He's improved as a playmaker though. He's improved. He's improved. He's improved. When well, double comes, he shifts that ball and he gets it to guys that should. I mean, that's. Shot. I mean, you you are also six eight. If you get double team, you should be able to see over and just pass it to the next man. I, I <laughs> let's 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 tempting, oh, But the defenders that he's going against a six eight two. So as, as tempting as it is to let you guys cook, we will be having our NBA player rankings episodes and we'll be able to get into this. Let's let's stay on the Clippers <laughs> as a let's stay on the Clippers as a whole. Um. Another thing that's, that you've mentioned uh, is, is their new head coach, Tyron Lue. Like I mentioned earlier in this pod, uh, he was part of a coaching team under Doc Rivers. Uh, he is an NBA champion. He is also the man that Ireland Iverson stepped over when Philly Philly won their single game against the uh, Lakers in the uh, 2000 NBA Finals. Um, let's talk about Tyron Lue. I'll come back to you again, um, Cy. Um, obviously, like, like Kaya said, this will be basically where he shows and proves either it was a coach getting carried by LeBron and everything that comes with it. People wax lyrical about LeBron's basketball IQ and he very much is best player and essentially an executive um, demanding the players that he wants, demanding the changes in the locker room and, and in some organizations, getting coaches fired very, very quickly. Um, is Tyron Lue the right man to lead the Clippers? And if, if so, Yes. Uh, if so, why? And if no, why not? It's I think to he me. deserves. I think he deserves a shot. I think he deserves the the opportunity to prove that it wasn't just Bron. I think um, 
I've been critical with pretty much every coach that has ever coached LeBron James. And for whatever reason is, once he leaves, give it two or three years and they're, they're title contending coaches or they prove their worth within the, within the league. So I think for me, like Spolstra this year showed that he is a quality coach. And all this year, he's been he's been this way for a long, long time. We've, he, we've... Has, he has, but this this year, more so than any other year, he got his other superstar who complemented his style and he managed to get this second unit or the supplementary players playing at a level that was way above their station. And that's what, for me, is the deciding factor in uh, top level coaches. I think Frank Vogel showed that this year. He's been a good defensive coach since he was oh, at uh, Indiana. And again, it wasn't it wasn't based on how he got uh, Hibbert or Granger or any of these guys playing. It's how he got the unit functioning as a whole. And I think we saw remnants of that in LA. So when I look at Ty Lue, I'm not expecting him to just figure out a way to make uh, Kawhi go from a 28-point scorer to a 34-point scorer. Like that, that yeah. that's not what his remit is going to be. It's going to be when Kawhi is off the court or when, when we need to get Kawhi in, in a game, in specific moments, how are we going to do it? And that, for me, is going to be what, what decides whether or not he basically eats on, eats as a coach who is only good when playing with LeBron or a coach that can actually get guys playing above their level and making a cohesive unit that can push for a title. So I think that will be the deciding factor is how he manages the Ty Lue, uh, not the Ty Lues, uh, the Lou Wills, the Harrells, the, all of these guys who were good before the superstars came in. How does he get them gelling with the two superstars? That will be the decider for him. For what are me, your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Kay? For me, I think even though I was making some faces earlier about saying him at the Cavs, he does deserve his shot because obviously he's not a shot since. However, let's not also forget, like, as much as I love to give players credit, like, the two Cavs teams, the one that obviously came back from 3-1 and the one that lost the next year, up until the finals, they were one of the best offensive teams in rating, like, of all time. Like this, Amazing that, team. Amazing, amazing 2018 team, offensively yeah, were like, amazing. Offensively, like, very, very oh, clear. 2017, sorry, yeah. Like, on paper, like, they were killing everyone, so... They were doing very, very well. And you can't obviously put that all down to LeBron. There is some kind of system in place where it worked. So there is that. So clearly offense is not going to be an issue when it comes down to the Clippers. And they just need to find a way, like Sai said, to get the best out of Kawhi when he's not on the court. And I think not even Kawhi is the person you need to get the best out. Because like he said, he's going to do his thing. It's Paul George. Like if we're being very honest, like Kawhi gave last year, in the off year, I say off, in his load manager year, in his first year at, the Clippers in this uncertain situation, 57 games, still put up 27, had a very respectable year, was doing very, very well. And I think Paul George is the one people need to watch out for because obviously he's gone from a ball dominant Ross, Russ, sorry, not Ross, and still put up 27, 28, top three in MVP and defense player of the year voting. And this year he's almost become like an auxiliary, almost like, almost like a, a 1C or a 2B to Kawhi's 1A. Like I'm not sure how that happened. And I think one thing I can, sorry to take us a leg is that that they did very well, I think, to get the best out of LeBron and AD was made sure when LeBron was off the court, it was AD getting his while he was with the bench and Ronda was there with him, putting him in the positions. It wasn't all just ball and post immediately, AD get the ball. So I think Ty Lue needs to find a way to maybe get the best out of Paul George because well and truly, him and Kawhi are the same player but just of different level in productivity. 
So they're not going to get the best out of each other at the same time. So the best thing for that, I think, would be to make sure you get the best out of them, be it they can both start the game, of course. But whoever goes off first, you, the person that's obviously left behind, which is probably going to be Paul George, while Kawhi's resting, needs to be put in the positions where he can flourish, as well as getting the Harrells, the Lou Wills, the Morrises, the Jacksons, theirs as well. And I think that's arguably maybe going to be his biggest challenge because they can play defense. They're tall, they're long. Like, that's not going to be an issue. Like, everyone locks in come playoff time. And we can all see that as we've seen in all the series. But I really, really, really think that it's Paul George that is, like, the missing key. Because Kawhi's going to give you Kawhi, top three player in the game. It's Paul George. Like, you can't have a drop-off. I don't care. Even you're playing with Russ, who has the ball in, in his hands even more than Kawhi. And that's even when Russ and Paul had his, his career year. You can't go from 28 to 21. And people are thinking, oh, yeah, this is the same person from last year. Because this this situation is supposed to be even better for him, of course. And Doc Rivers is this kind of guy. So that will be the main thing, I think, like I said, just how they get the rest of the people as much as possible. Because as of now, it's just not working. And that, like you said, the ISO ball, that's normally reserved, I think, at its most and it's most effective for the last five minutes of a playoff game, if we're being very honest. Like the people who do it all throughout the regular season and then get to the playoffs, we've seen they struggle. Like my guy Russ, stylish as they come, but just not very stylish on the ball when it comes to playoff time. James Harden, another one. Like all year, you've seen him cross people up and do what the hell he wants and take taking 15 threes a game, making seven of them. It got to the playoffs and that just doesn't work. Like there needs to be some sort of mix where you have a the, base. The player of the playoffs. It's all about yeah. coaching and the, the X and O's and the, adju- the adjustments. It's like, it's almost like you have to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Sometimes you have to come up with a whole new plan because the other team has crossed off your plan A, your plan B and your plan C. And it's not a mentality. Um, I, I honestly don't think it's as much as a mentality thing because people always say it's a the mentality of these players that when it comes to the big moments, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I honestly don't think it's a big, it's a big deal, of course. Like some people do actually crumble. Like we saw LeBron in 11 while the system was there. But honestly, like you said, if the plan A is gone and the plan B is gone and the plan C is gone, but you've been doing this for 82 games a year, it's not a case of mentality. Like This is now habit. Like You don't know what else to do when the pressure is at its highest. So if they don't put you in that position, it's not going to work. Facts. That's so why the, the coaches are It's not a mentality box. thing. It's more down to the coaching because they've let this go on for 82 odd games or whatever. And when it now comes to it and they need something from this star, be it Harden, be it Paul, be it Russ, be it whoever, they're going to revert to type because when the pressure is on, you're not going to think, let me try something new. You're going to stick to what you know, but teams have already accounted for that because they've seen you do it 82 times all year. So it gets very, very tricky. So we'll see how Ty negotiates it. But I think for personality-wise, he might be the best suited rather than Doc Rivers because he dealt with LeBron and Kyrie. I'm sorry, but LeBron is LeBron, as we know. The narrative controller. They got they got into it a few times. They got into LeBron. it a few times as well. And this is someone who's not too far off in age to LeBron anyway. Yeah. So... He's the first that. man that, that hasn't hasn't been sunned by Bron as well. Like exactly. We've seen, we've seen Bron literally like take over team talks and all of that stuff and speak over over coaches. And Tyloo wasn't really having any of it. Like you could see him always just step back into the picture and step into the huddle and sort of just command the rest of the guys. And that's that's what you need to be able to do. Has paid his that, dues as well, if we're being very honest. Like, yeah, he, he, he has paid his dues. And if we're being honest, yeah, like this is with LeBron at the Cavs towards the end was, as we know, coming in towards the, the twilight of his career, still from a high level. But it's not LeBron from 2009 to 14. The end of his prime, yeah. To do whatever he wants throughout the game and he's putting teams on his back. These are still world coach teams. 
Like he's playing less games and they're still first seeds. Like Ty Lu did more than enough, I think, to put them in a position to do well while obviously having a LeBron and so forth. But it's it's very tricky. But I think the personalities on this team are a lot less taxing than LeBron, personally. And I think cool. he'll, I think he'll do a lot better. Let's 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 talk about the, the Clippers roster. Uh, on mass and and maybe some of the things they need to to think about and the decisions that they're going to be need to make in the off season. So I think the kind of the the, the looming albatross is a certain Montrez Harrell. Uh, he he's come off winning sixth man of the year and he's due his payday basically. Um, you, yeah. you mentioned in the uh, in the playoffs, um, K, how, yeah. how much of a issue he became and Doc Rivers decided to stick with him to his detriment. Uh, I reckon on this market, he commands between 15 uh, to 20 million per year. Um, so I guess the decisions, they've got one of two decisions. It's either they sign him and they keep him, or the other decision is they sign him and they, and they trade him. Um, if you're the Clippers, you two, uh, and you're the GM, you have to make that decision. Wh- which one are you leaning towards? Are you keeping Harold um, or are you sign and trading? Trade him. I'm sorry. I, I, it just doesn't work. I really, really would like it to work. But it just doesn't. Like, it doesn't make sense for them to keep him for the type of game that he has. One, he's undersized in his position, which is fair enough. A high-energy guy off the bench, which is great. But I think when it comes down to it, a lot of his game is kind is not very much down to finesse. It's kind of, if it's going well for him, it's going to go fantastic. And as, as we saw this year, this year has been going great. But say he starts the game one of five, one of six, you're not going to give the ball to him again and be like, hey, please make something happen. Like, you need someone who kind of compliments the rest of the team a lot more because he was getting, but he was their third highest scorer this year on like 18.6 a game. And so they were really trusted him to get the ball, especially when the other two weren't as much in the game and they were on the bench and he can maybe shoot a little mid range here and there. Yeah, but I think he loves, loves a pick and roll. Don't he, loves, he? he loves it. But for the money that he is, he's earned, don't get me wrong. The money he's earned, they can't afford to give that to him. I don't think because you've got people like a 35 year old Mark Gasol who's an unrestricted free agent. He's come off earning 25 mil a year. But the vet minimum, he's eligible for that now. So you're telling me you can't plug someone like that in or a surge who would arguably complement the team a lot more. Not Maybe not give the same like energy that Pat Bevan he would, but they'll complement the team a lot more than somebody who is at the age still where he can still get his. He'll sacrifice for the team, don't get me wrong. But like you said, like he, he put up numbers this year, won an award. He's not going to want to come in and be like, hey, I'll take as little money as possible. He's thinking, I'm not them, but I'm kind of the man. Like... I've earned this, and you gotta give me my give me my dues. I'm the I'm the I'm the third man up. I'm the I'm the third musketeer. So, yeah, me personally, I don't think, I, I don't see any way they should keep him because it just doesn't make sense in the long term, especially if they want to win. Cool. How about yourself, sir? I actually disagree. I'd keep him. Um, I think if you if you find somebody who can play play big, like proper traditional big, and actually trust them that Montrez is a perfect guy to plug in for small ball. Um, it just just get, keeps you that energetic, uh, big man-esque rebounds, uh, putbacks, all of that type of stuff. But it gives you the size to be a bit more nimble, to step a little bit outside of the paint and actually like guard pick and rolls a bit more, a bit more effectively. So I think having having options is what what it comes down to. I think the Lakers, the Lakers showed that, okay, cool. The big man isn't totally out of out of today's game. You had three men who at moments just basically acted as a nuisance. 
you need to be able to guard the Jokic's, the Embiid's, the Davis's, all of those guys. I think Pau Gasol, Pau Gasol would have been a good option. I don't know. He's only getting a year older. Do you get what I mean? Mark, so, Mark, Mark. Mark, Mark, Mark. Shout out Pau, though. Shout out Pau. Yeah, Mark, 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 I'm telling you. <laughs> Mark can still do a job because Harold, as we saw, just couldn't play defense when it came to and couldn't handle Jokic, who is seven foot. Harold six ten at a push, maybe with some impact. Jokic isn't Jokic isn't going anywhere. They're, they're still going to have to probably get be away through Denver. And Zubac, as much as I like him, he's still not kind of ready. If you know what I mean, and I get what you're saying, like the traditional big, put him next to Harold. He's a perfect foil, and they'll be perfect. They're going back to back with each other, but I'm just not sure who that would be that will fit him personally, and especially because. Like, he's putting up buckets. Like, he's getting his. Like, he's not just there to maybe slide into a role, if you know what I mean. And I'm, I'm, I'm not that's, sure. That's what you need in your second unit. It's like, if, if, if you've got a Lou role and a Harrell, you're basically winning on that second unit. And then plug in someone like PG to play extended minutes with those guys. Playing starter minutes, though. Of, co- of course they're playing starters minutes. But they're staggering their rotation, aren't they? So. Yeah. In those, in those instances, once you get to the playoffs, that's where the guys like Mark Gasol or Ibaka, yeah, they would be beneficial to have in and around in and around the team, but I don't feel like they need to be a replacement for him. They need to find a creative way to basically get these guys in on a cheap and just rotate once to get to playoff time. That way you keep them fresh and you still don't lose, you yeah, still don't yeah. lose the things that made you effective the year prior. Mark will be cheap as hell, but I just think Harold's probably a bit too one-dimensional. Like it would be a big L, big L to lose him, but I think it could be mitigated through other ways as well because they'll spread the score in him maybe a bit more because a drop-off from like 27, 21, 18, the next person's like nine or ten. It's quite a significant drop-off in terms of production. So one on one side of the ball, he's fantastic. Like I think he's great there. Translate that to wing players or a point guard or what? Because yeah, he's got to find a way to maybe mitigate that because I think maybe a more traditional big man a bit more experienced would be great I think they'll probably look at that a bit because like I said Zubac and Harrell they're good but they're both young Something we're definitely definitely lacking for them in the playoffs uh, you mentioned the point guard and the, and the next funnily enough the next thing I was going to mention is their need for a, another ball handler uh, a playmaker uh, names we're hearing Derek Rose uh, Ricky Rubio Chris Paul um, well, what are, what are your thoughts? What are your what what are your thoughts? Obviously, Chris Paul himself comes with that albatross of a contract, which means that um, it would take a few actually serviceable pieces to get him to the roster. But what are your thoughts on them generally needing a, another playmaker who can an, an initiate uh, play for them on the on the wing? They cannot let CP3 back in the building. There's no way, That's no right. how that can ever happen. That's not working. Money is one issue, but just in terms of how the team is constructed, there's no way, especially when he pounds the ball for 22 or the 24 seconds at his age as well. Like, he's very much well suited to OKC now with this young team. Let him be their messiah and just show them the way. Right now, I think probably the best person, but I don't think they can afford, is someone in the ilk of like a Fred Van Vliet. They can't afford him. But he'll be perfect for them. He's because, getting paid. He's getting paid this offseason, and he's getting well. paid this year. Like he's he's the sim- but that kind of ilk of someone who can handle the ball and just get it onto the next person can hit his open shot and is serviceable on defense. Like I'm not sure where that's going to come from. Like I've tried to look through the free agent list and see who there is in terms of that position. And unless they kind of trade for someone, then it is quite tricky for them at the moment. If I'm being very very honest, but I think that- I think so too. I think. Um, 
that's where the the signing and trading of Montreal becomes more important. I think Montre- get, getting Montreal in a, a good size contract and trading him then allows them to bring in better pieces. They need that playmaker who will move the ball around and stop that stagnant offence that we saw. Listen, Patrick Beverly has his strengths, but uh, uh, court, court vision <laughs> uh, isn't isn't necessarily top of top of that list and, and keeping that offense flowing. So I think that's very important for them. Ty Lue's a PG, isn't it? He, he, so he, yeah. he understands the game. He's a, he's a thinking man in, in that sense. So I think adding that to what they currently have is it, pretty key. I think... Bring Austin uh, back. Say that again? Austin. Bring Austin back. I'm sorry. In any sort of form is what fucked it up for Rivers, man. Like, Rivers <laughs> focus anymore is like, what was that? Like, it's an option because right now looking at the free agent market there's literally including people with their own player options there's no pgs available and while the clippers have got pieces they ain't got pieces that people are willingly going to take and give up an option that's going to help them win the title if you know what i mean i like, hear you i hear you that's good enough to put them over the edge in terms of stylistic fit so ricky rubio wouldn't be a bad shout i, I just, just don't know how he how he has big enough voice to pull any strings there um, and Derek Rose, Derek Rose for me is a championship caliber point guard still to this day. Like, ah uh, man, I loved, I loved yeah, D Rose to go somewhere he could win, man. I, I would love that too, story. To be honest, and yeah, Ricky Rubio ain't ended up there. That's seventeen million that the Clippers don't really have. D Rose is about, I think he's on eight, isn't he? Eight or fifteen? I'm not sure. I think yeah. but like two years, sixteen, if you I remember. Do, if you do move Harold though. Then Just you listen, man, I'm telling you, you gotta get Montreal. I think a sign and trade, yeah. Yeah, the bird right. The sign and trade can get them a very, very solid point guard because Harold's Harold's got suitors. If we're being very honest, of yeah. course, yeah, he definitely will. Undersized. I, I checked his height. I thought he was six ten. He's six seven. Wow. So, <laughs> so listen, he's got suitors, but I'll love him to get paid as well. I love seeing my brothers get paid, but just not agreed. By, just don't not. I want him to get paid by the Clippers. Let them get the sign and trade. Mm-hmm. Pick up a point guard and maybe a serviceable big man like a Christian Wood on the cheap, but. I don't know. Yeah, just to, just to fluff off that roster. Let me let me speak about a couple more guys. Uh, Marcus Morris, who was on 15 mil last year. Um, do they bring him back? No. I doubt he, I don't think he, he won't. Dem- his value on the market isn't anywhere near what he was on. But do you think they should bring him back? No. No. I think those those are the type of pieces they can afford to ship now. Um, just get someone a bit more athletic. Um, yeah. You, you you basically just have to you have to facilitate what's not already there. And if, if you go out and get a big man or another wing, you mitigate the need for Gallinari, a, stretch, man. a stretch four. Like you can you can find that elsewhere. Yeah. Um Patrick Patterson, his contract is up. Um get rid. Get rid. Uh Reggie Jackson. Do you know who's gonna be there next season though? Joakim Noah. 1.8 mil. <laughs> just keep it, just keeping the cash cow going, man. Just keeping keeping the checks coming in, man. Um, paying paying for all those condos. Okay, so in, in terms of their roster, it seems like we're in agreement that they need a playmaker. Uh, they need something more at, at the the five uh, to contend with with the Jokic's of of this world and potentially the ads as well. There. Um, yeah, the ads of this world as well, uh, because we know the Lakers aren't aren't going anywhere. Um, DJ Augustine. There's there's always going to be pieces, man. Like like we say, they've probably in terms of apart from LeBron and AD, they they have the best two two guys of of any team. And 
guess Kyrie and KD. Obviously, it depends on what KD we get back, but we're talking top three duos in the league. And at that point, it's just about surrounding them with the right players. Like we saw with the Lakers, whose kind of supporting um, cast weren't rated. They had such a lovely blend of players that from series to series, they were able to adjust. Some guys would have a big part in one series, don't see them the whole of the next series. The Clippers need to sort of set themselves up, up, up in a similar way. And what you tend to find is that if there isn't even necessarily a third guy, the, 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 like by committee, they get that kind of, somebody will go like, four of 10 from three or two of five or whatever, whatever the case, whatever the case may be. Um, let's stick our next out. Obviously there's a lot to be done. The draft is still to come. Free agency is, is still to come. So we will definitely be going back and talking about these teams that we're having there. These are not top seas, but what are we expecting from the Clippers next year? Uh, yeah. I, I want to know what, what are your thoughts? Because obviously this is year two. Uh, Kawhi and, and Paul George, their contracts expire. Um, and they've got obviously got the player option for the 21-22 season. But we imagine if it's another poor season, they'll both probably pack their bags and try and, and, and go somewhere else. But yeah, what what are we expecting for next season? Baylor's not an option, man. Like this year, like I think there was the article that came out that I think it was PG or someone came into the changing rooms after they lost and was like, hey, it's not finals or bust with us. Yes, yeah, well, of course it was PG, man. This is yeah. a guy at the start of the season was like, boy, you're looking at me, you're looking at Kawhi, you're looking at Montrez, you're looking at Lou. How can we lose? And now he's coming in and saying, and it's not finals or bust. It's like catfish, <laughs> man. Like the way the way he's going on about it, he's <laughs> he's, he's like, like taking the funk of like some 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 top ten player, and then when it comes to the moments where you need him to show it, he's just not doing it, and and, and it's yeah. disappointing for me because ultimately. I'll, I'll hang my hat. He's one of my. He's been one of my favorite players since he likewise. came to the league. Like likewise, like, and he's bounced back from that broken leg. But honestly, the way he's looked, like I like. I know I said earlier it was down to coaches putting people into positions and blah blah blah. But with Paul George, what we've seen in the playoffs the last two years, this is just him. He's missing wide open shots. Like he's hitting the side of the backboard with joints that he was slapping <laughs> all year. Like, like I don't know what it is, but yeah, but it's bust. It's championship or bust. And I know teams are coming back and teams are strengthening, but based on paper alone, even before they strengthen the rest of their roster, they've got Paul George and Kawhi. That's one of the two. That's the, that's the top two. If you look throughout the league, I don't care how everyone did in the playoffs as well, including this year. Like, other than LeBron and AD, that's arguably the next one, two up. Like, yeah. there's no one else that compares talent-wise. I don't care what Jokic and Murray did. Obviously, they, they increased their stock and like and everyone else did. But those two alone should be at least a conference finals appearance. 100 minimum. And then from there, it comes down to who outcoaches who or who outplays who. Because there's no other excuse now at this point. Because like we said, we said first year teams don't make the finals after or they don't win when super teams are formed. But now, they've had a year. Mm. Albeit a COVID interrupted year. But now they've had their, they've had their little summer and they've got to come back and just shut up and play because I don't want to hear, oh, we're back, we're this, we're that. We got a squad now, none of that jazz. I just want to see them shut up and dribble. In, <laughs> in this case, yeah. In this case, yeah. By all means, do your social media and your social justice stuff. I'm all for it. But when it comes down to it, I need to see them in the final in the conference finals because no one else should really compare. Minimum, minimum is conference finals at this point. Like, and and to not get to not disgrace yourself. Um I can 
I can sort of give them a little bit of leeway because next year it's not going to be any easier in terms of the finals. Like, ultimately, the East is going to have some some contenders, uh, which this year I think I think it was a bit of a more of a hopeful uh, thing of maybe maybe the Heat actually pushing the series a bit further. Um, whereas when you when you've got the Nets lurking, yeah, and we don't even know where Yanis. Whoever they meet. Whoever they meet in the finals, like they're gonna have problems with that duo if they make it. Yeah, and if we don't. Get to there, then boy. Um, so yeah, the 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 Clippers definitely need to sort of make make it their number one goal to make sure that they get to the finals. So would, that will be the furthest any LA Clippers team has gone. To be honest, they haven't ever played in a conference final. This is another thing. They're a fa- they're a failure. Of a, they're a failure of a team originally. Not to sound too harsh, but they've never been in these positions to even win. So even though these players are not like Clippers people, like LA, whatever people, at the same time, if you're not used to being there and all the teams not used to being there, getting there, all of a sudden there's that thing in the back of your mind saying, oh, we've never been here before. Not me personally. Basketball heritage. That's it. And there's something called basketball heritage. It's a real thing. It's, it, <laughs> sometimes it really is a real thing, especially if you've got very few players of championship caliber standard. But thankfully, the Clippers actually do. They've got arguably two, so that shouldn't that shouldn't come into factor. There's ever a guy to to overcome that uh, basketball heritage? It should be Kawhi. Though. He did it with Toronto. Facts. Facts. Yeah. So facts. Facts. He did. He did. I'm flappable. You. Yes, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because um, not to talk too much about other teams before we finish up. It's going to be interesting because I'm expecting the Lakers to be galvanised, expecting the Nuggets to make moves. Murray's going to come back more confident. Jokic is Jokic, top 10 player in the league. Um, so it's, it's not, like you say, it's not going to be easy even getting to that conference final in the in the West. But um, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. And yeah, I'm expecting a bounce back season from Kawhi with a, a real chip on his shoulder. And like you guys say, Paul George is essentially who we're looking at. Like, can you be that guy? Like, yeah. we don't need you. We don't. We don't need you to lead the team, but we need you to be consistent. Twenty-five to twenty-eight points a game, stellar defense, and just contribute consistently to you. Like, yeah, some of the games he was throwing up during the bubble. Obviously, he he was very honest and forthcoming and admitted that he did struggle mentally. But and and that's interesting to hear because we don't necessarily hear that side of of this and we a lot of the times just assume these players are robots and you just go out there and execute and we don't give them any excuses so hearing that um was interesting and refreshing but like we say shut up and dribble man especially in this case i think uh, going back to just to touch on that stuff i know he said he was struggling like i don't want to put blame on anyone but i know he's said he struggled in the past with some of that stuff before players are coming out more and more which i applaud talking about it but now they're talking about it, and Kevin Love set the president a few years ago. Player to be able, players able to talk about it. I think teams need to do a better job of putting their players in a situation where, if they are struggling, they not they can perform because it's basketball first, but they're at least providing with the support. So we're not having this conversation of us, oh, Paul George's mentality, blah blah blah, because you can still perform obviously while having. I say this tongue in cheek, but I'm sure if he was put in a better situation with the team, obviously mentally wise, he probably perform a lot better. And we've seen this the last two years when the pressure's on. Maybe there's something that triggers that. But yeah, I think the team needs to do it. If they know this is the case now, as we've seen in two of the last three years, they need to put them in a better position to perform. Otherwise, it's just... For your players, man. Facts. That's a a good point. Uh, Anything else you want to close on, Sai, before we we, we finish up this week's edition? 
Uh, I think for the most part, yeah, it does. It is going to be predicated on what type of Paul George we get. Um, it's, it is a bit interesting, like seeing him have spats on social media and all of that sort of stuff. Like he, it seems out of character for me. It seems like he's trying to play up to, to what the perception is and of, of what a superstar player is supposed to be like. When in fact, I think he, he seems like quite an unassuming type individual who just goes nice. about his business bit nice. bit of a like recluse almost and i think if if they figure out a way to get him in his comfort zone and just close out a lot of the noise and just facilitate him with the the sort of things that superstars need because i know uh even even Kawhi, i think uh, back in the day they were saying um the San Antonio Spurs were one of the only organizations that allowed families to travel on, travel on the same plane. And that was what one of the deciding factors for Duncan going there was. Yeah. Or staying there even. The Clippers need to carve out that type of identity, build, build it from the ground up because they're not going to lose anything facilitating those two guys with whatever they need. Take load management out of it all of that stuff, but create a sense of comfort and a sense of yeah. calm for these guys. And I think the, the sky's the limit for them. Paul George, especially. Yeah. Facts, facts. I can't wait to see it all unfold. Um, so I just want to thank uh, all our listeners from this week. Once again, I remind you to subscribe to our YouTube, follow our Twitter, engage with the account, use the hashtag CourtsideFracker, and we'll be back next week. Peace. 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 Podcast Network.